Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the On the Pony Express podcast. I am Billy Embody. We have got a lot to talk about. This is going to probably go a little long because we have so much to discuss. SMU beats Memphis, holds off that late drive to finish out the regular season 7-5. and five. The Mustangs now awaiting their bowl bid, finding out where they're going to go. Probably going to happen on Sunday, maybe Monday after the conference championship games. Uh, and SMU is in play for some local ones from what I'm hearing and also some ones that uh, are a little bit uh, farther away. So we'll kind of talk about some of that. But I do want to go back to first the SMU Memphis game. What a gritty game for SMU. I, I think just in general, you have the hot start from Memphis. They go right down the field and score. Uh, you have an SMU team that is, is has not really put together anything early on in the game. They had some things to kind of build off of, and you thought, okay, all right, if they can kind of piece this together, they're going to be able to be in this game really, you know, right to the end, and that's where, where they were at. I thought the answers SMU provided to what Memphis did throughout the game uh, obviously worked out. Um, I, I feel like Memphis was trending to run away with it, kind of like Tulane, but SMU really bounced back and said, you know what, we're going to step up here and we're not going to let that happen. Um, the defense didn't have a great game, but they had they got stops when they needed it. Um, Memphis kind of did what they wanted. They shot themselves in the foot a couple times. Uh, they had 439 total yards, so nothing crazy in a way. Um, but this was a game that kind of had took on a slower pace. Um, both teams ate up the clock on some of their scoring drives. Both teams were very efficient on third downs. Memphis was 11 of 17, SMU 11 of 18 uh, on the night, and both were perfect uh, on fourth down conversions. Memphis held the ball 31 minutes and 18 seconds. Uh, really, they got going with a impressive almost six six and a half minute drive to open the game. Um, and they did whatever they wanted on that drive. Uh, they threw the ball. They, for the most part, ran it really well uh, and went up 7 nothing. Um, it wasn't until early second quarter where, you know, Jordan Curley catches a touchdown pass from Tanner Mordecai. Great little design on that one in the red zone for SMU uh, to tie it at seven. Um, and then Memphis answers right back. They go right down the field in two, uh, just under three minutes to score. SMU volleys back right before the end of the half on a six and a half minute drive that was capped by a Tyler Levine touchdown. And then the defense gives up a field goal drive at the end of the half. And I mean, look, you look at that drive, Memphis gets the ball with about a minute 15 to go and they go right down and it looks like things are, you know, they're going to get a touchdown before the end of the half. And the defense kind of bowed up. They made some plays uh, and were able to hold it to a field goal from there. SMU reeled off uh, 10 unanswered points to start the second half. I thought it was super important for SMU to get that going early on. The defense got some stops. Um, and SMU was able to take a 24-17 lead. Memphis then responds. They fumble away the PAT, and it gets blocked. Uh, SMU takes advantage and opens the fourth quarter with a Rasheed Rice touchdown. Um, and then, again, a Colin Rogers field goal about halfway through the fourth quarter. You're up 34-23 at that point. Not a game that's exactly put away, but certainly not a game um, where you're not feeling good about where things stand. And Memphis then took the ball, scored a touchdown, 
And SMU got the ball back. Great onside recovery by Austin Upshaw playing in his senior day. And even Rhett Lasher kind of said it uh, after the game. He probably would have done things similar in a way because they got the look they wanted with Rasheed Rice. And usually Rasheed comes down with that one on the third down play, I believe it was on that on that drive, um, or maybe the second down play when they're, you know, you think if you're SMU, you're going to build the clock and maybe take up some some more time. Now think about this. I mean, hindsight's always 20-20, but SMU ends up punting that one away. Uh, Memphis takes the ball. They go down the field 70 yards, uh, or, they, or they take the ball, and they go right down the field. They get a huge screen play to start that drive. And then you see things start to fall apart. Uh, Nick Roberts gets the the penalty that would have had SMU potentially off the field on that touchdown drive earlier in the game uh, to, to bring it within a one-score game. Things were not going right for SMU uh, without a doubt. And defensively, that was when kind of the wheels started to really fell, fall off. They had played well uh, for the most part in the second half. Uh, they had made some stops. It is going to be one of those things where somebody has to make a play but going back to that drive, if Rhett Lashley runs the ball, let's say all three times and just goes with it and Memphis cooks a timeout or two extra, then you're looking at Memphis getting down. Let's say kind of everything goes the same. Memphis getting down into field goal range and they they kick the field goal because they, they wouldn't have another timeout. Clock would be running. They spike it. They probably kick the field goal. Instead, they had that extra time because they had the extra timeouts they're able to go ahead and take their shot to win the game. And Brandon Crosley steps in front of the pass uh, and, and wins it for SMU. He's just kind of lurking. Uh, huge play by Brandon Crosley. He's been very up and down throughout the course of the season. Um, he's obviously a vocal guy, one of those types of players for SMU. But when you look at what he had done at times, he had stuck his nose in there at times. He had a couple huge pass breakups in the game. His highs were very much worth worth some of the lows that we saw uh, out of them. So um, I, I think with SMU, they were down to Tyler Levine and TJ McDaniel and Roderick Daniels as running backs. And Levine, you know, carried the load 25 times, 64 yards. They they stuck with the run. And defensively, they were out without Stephon Wright. They didn't have Terrence Newman. Those are two guys when, when it came to the run defense that would have at least bolstered it a little bit. Um, but I just I define that game as just kind of gritty for SMU. The weather sucked. Uh, they had every reason to kind of lay down a little bit after Tulane kind of ruined their chances uh, for the AAC title game. Um, and instead, they they rallied and they said, you know what, this isn't how the season's going to end. And Rhett Lashley got choked up about it in the locker room. They released a video uh, early this week, and I've said it this year. I don't think this team has ever really quit. You know, people overreact and they see things and they say, oh, they're quitting. They're mailing it in. I've not seen much quit out of this team. The Tulane game, they got run out of the building. That was the one game this year that I really feel like they haven't been truly competitive. Even UCF, when UCF pulled away, that one got ugly because SMU didn't capitalize on a great first half offensively. Came away with 13 points, I think it was. Then they have to press as UCF explodes in the second half. They go for it on fourth downs and they're not able to get any points and the score becomes what it is, that Tulane game is the only one they weren't competitive in all, all year. And even then, you, you saw some guys not giving up. You know, Tyler Levine, you know, the turnovers just sucked in that one. We don't have to rehash. But this team hasn't given up. 
And that's why I think this is a game. This is now a, a future where they go to the bowl and you have to have some positivity about how it could work out. Granted, it's another situation where what team is going to show up, the team that doesn't turn the ball over, which by the way, SMU had zero turnovers in the game against Memphis. The lone turnover that won the turnover battle uh, won the game for SMU. So I, I just feel like this team is really bonded together and and they they want to finish this off as best they can. SMU went 3-1 and one in November, 4-1 and one, uh, over the last five games. If, if you count, um, I believe it was uh, the, the Tulsa game. Um, yeah, so they went. SMU finished with wins over Tulsa, Houston, South Florida, lost to Tulane, and then beat Memphis. So a four and one finish to the season in the last five games. And even that Cincinnati game came down to a two point conversion. So Rasheed Rice, 13 receptions, 147 yards. Rhett Lashley reveals he's been playing with not just turf toe or not turf toe, but actually a broken toe all season. Incredible, Uh, just effort. And he's going to play in the bowl game, which is insane, but that's the type of player he is. And that's the type of leader he is. And Tanner Mordecai gets a shot in the rib and breaks his ribs again and leaves the game at the end of the first half, which, by the way, shout out Kevin Henry Jennings for an incredible 90-something-yard touchdown drive, 97-yard touchdown drive uh, right before the half. He comes back in and and plays really well. And they came out hot in the uh, second half. This team is gritty. I've said that. It's not perfect. There are holes. We know the defense is poor. Um, We know there are deficiencies in the secondary. We know at times they give up huge plays. We know offensively sometimes it can be a little up and down with either personnel or play calling at times. But I will say, and and you kind of saw it in the video if you watched it in the locker room, these, these guys are together and they buy into what these coaches are saying hasn't always worked out. This is a very imperfect team. That's why they're seven and five turnovers and all those things have cost them plenty of games this year, but it was cool to see them, you know, band together and really have that grit uh, to beat a Memphis team that has had SMU's number at times over the years. So um, kudos to them, kudos to the staff for, for making some adjustments to get them that hot start in the second half that really kind of carried the day moving forward. Uh, lots of things to be answered. Uh, we're getting into the transfer portal window now. The FCS window is open. We're seeing guys from the FBS level declare their intentions to enter the portal. We're seeing, um, you know, I think that circling of the wagons for a lot of programs. All right, how head first are we going to go into the portal? Who's going to leave our roster? Um, who's going to go pro? Who's going to transfer who are we going to go after? That's what's happening right now this week. It's a dead period. Players are certainly allowed to uh, talk with the staff and declare their intentions. And that's what we're seeing. I think SMU is going to have some guys transfer away. That'll really make, quite honestly, a good bit of sense to people. Um, and we'll see some natural attrition. On the flip side of that, they have been very active on the JUCO front. They've been very active on the FCS front with a few offers. And we'll talk about uh, all of that uh, as we kind of jump into it on the backside of this podcast. But I think the first thing that I want to talk about is where is SMU going to go bowling? I don't know. That is still to be worked out as the conference title games get played out. I think for SMU, 
there there are two things that I would there there's one thing that I'd love to see. I would love to see a local bowl against a big program. I'd love to see SMU Oklahoma in the first responders bowl. I think that'd be a ton of fun. Everybody wins uh, on that one, and you get a marquee type of matchup. That isn't necessarily what we're seeing in bowl projections. Not necessarily what I'm hearing right now. I'm hearing a couple bowls that are emerging, uh, or or three that I'll mention: the Birmingham Bowl, the Independence Bowl in Shreveport, and then the New Mexico Bowl. Those would all involve, or two of the three would involve Power Five opponents. And then if you go to the Independence Bowl, you're playing Army, most likely. Um, we'll see if they need to uh, fill someone if they don't get the waiver. I think it's something like they're five and seven, but two wins are against FCS or there's something weird there where Army might not actually be eligible for it. Um, but those are some of the, the the bowls that are more spread out. And then I did see one, uh, the Gasparilla Bowl in Tampa, which I've always been begging SMU to get because obviously it's where I'm from. Uh, but they would be matched up against Florida. That was one projection I, I saw yesterday, um, and it worked out because uh, I'm actually in Tampa then for the holidays. So um, I think wherever SMU go, goes bowling, um, that's going to be a, a, a game where can they do what they did against Memphis, which when you didn't have really anything to play for outside of your seniors, and that's going to be the same thing when it comes to the bowl. You're, you're going to play for Rasheed Rice. You're going to play for um, uh, Tanner Mordecai, who's going pro. You're going to play for uh, Jimmy Phillips or um, some of these other guys that are that are on the way out. Can they get motivated, depending on where they're at and who they're playing, and step up? Um, it's going to be a game that you absolutely, I think, would love to see them win and break through. It's been years and years since they won a bowl. It was years and years since SMU's gone 3-1 and one in November. I, I think Rhett Lashley said in the video since 2009, I think, which is crazy, uh, maybe 2012. But still, uh, what a run for SMU to finish this year. I know it's not perfect, and no one's claiming it to be, but – it's just talking with different people around the program, you can tell that the players and the coaches are proud of what they've put down for this season for the most part. It is a imperfect team that lost a lot of pieces that were supposed to be counted on. Jake Bailey, Bo Corrales, Trey Siggers, um, you know, Terrence Newman in the two-lane game. They didn't have Stephon Wright a lot. Kamar Wheaton was banged up late. I mean, it's just one of those things where even Ben Redding, it's one of those things where it's not, it's not ideal. And they've had guys step up throughout the year, whether it be Dylan Goffney, um, whether it be Roderick Daniels late. I mean, talk about the game he had as on special teams against Memphis after the gaff with the fair catch that pinned them back deep. Uh, he's really stepped up late. He looks like he could have a bright future if he wants it at SMU. And Kamar Wheaton and Tyler Levine stepping up in the run game when they've, you know, when Kamar's been healthy and, and Tyler Levine's been been a workhorse. It's all these things have happened and they haven't been good on defense and they certainly have some deficiencies with personnel and they they're gonna go all out in the transfer portal to to fix those. But to get to seven and five, they're they're proud of that. It's not perfect. It's not, it wasn't pretty. You blow a game like Maryland. You you don't come out against Tulane. By the way, you would have been in the conference championship 
you would have beaten Tulane because then Tulane would have beaten Cincinnati if that would have worked out and you're playing in the conference championship. That's how razor thin it is in this league at times. So um, I think there's a good bit to build off of. There are things that have to be worked on and fixed. And we're going to talk about that as we get into, you know, where the transfer portal is heading for SMU and some of the things that we're expecting uh, to happen and, and, and areas of need for them as well. Uh, and then you also have the high school ranks. You have players down the stretch, uh, a couple of them that they're really targeting. So let's jump into that. We've talked about the bowl. We've talked about kind of the season. And now the portal is is going to open on Monday, December 5th, with the FBS window. This week is all about a lot of these staffs across country hearing from players that are on their team and going to enter the portal. They're hearing players that are declaring their intentions to enter the portal. They're hearing to, uh, about players that are in the portal with coaching changes. Um, we've seen that as well. Uh, and, and we'll mention a couple on on here uh, w- where that's applicable. But the whole thing right now is getting as organized as you can. You have your board now for FCS prospects. And for the most part, that's something that SMU will hit on here and there, certain certain players. And then you have your FBS board of expected guys, and you can start checking them off as they declare their intentions. And then you have the FBS guys that actually just enter on Monday, and that'll be kind of where you then finalize that board. And by the way, you have coaches that can go on the road and meet with these players just like the high school prospects and junior college prospects they're after. So the transfer portal is about to be red hot. Um it is going to be wild. If you haven't picked up an On the Pony Express subscription, check us out. Give it a seven-day trial. Start it on Monday and enjoy the ride and then stick on with us through the bowl and, and signing day and beyond. Um, there are still Founders Club hats available. Uh, you can get those with your subscription. Um, look for the thread on the board. I'll bump it here. Um, I try to bump it once a week, uh, which has the instructions on how to order your hat um, and you can get it in time for the bowl or to wear around the house uh, during the holidays. So check us out. We've had a huge run of subscriptions over the last week or so. So appreciate all you guys who have subscribed to the site and also subscribed to on theponyexpress.com's YouTube page. So be sure to do that if you don't already. Let's jump in with the transfer portal talk. Not going to give away all of our on three plus content, um, which involves, you know, kind of where I'm seeing some players pop up that I think SMU sits in a good spot for. We've talked a lot about some players that I could see SMU going after. We've also talked a lot about players that I think SMU is not going to go at, are not going to go after. Some players that maybe aren't good enough, or I see them going elsewhere. Um, this is uh, going to be a wild, wild time uh, for SMU. Let's kind of run it back here. Um, let's start with some FCS guys that have earned offers from SMU. Uh, Daquan Felton out of Norfolk. Norfolk State uh, has picked up an offer from SMU. He's a big, big body wide receiver. And I think that's a big need here. You have somebody like um, like a Bo Corrales who could come back. I think there's a chance he just moves on, whether it be starting his life um, or, um, you know, maybe somewhere else one more time uh, for him just because he's been so nicked up. 39 catches for 573 yards and seven scores. And you're going to say, well, what the heck? Why would they go after somebody that's just kind of okay at the uh, FCS level? Well, Norfolk State was awful this year. So he's one of the best players on that team. He's picked up numerous Power 5 opportunities now. uh, And he's also 
uh, got numerous just FBS offers already. Big bodied wide out. He'd fill a big need. You're losing Rasheed Rice, who's a ball winner down the field. You're losing Bo Corrales potentially. Um, and that is another guy who they view as a ball winner. Uh, this is somebody that I think is going to be one of many wide receivers they go after. I dropped uh, an on three plus article about uh, an impact wide out that SMU is targeting uh, from the FBS level. Be sure to check that out. Big time prospect um, who had over well over a thousand yards uh, this year uh, for his team. So check that out. SMU is going to go hard after him. That's on the message board. Uh, and then another one, Chandler Martin out of East Tennessee State. Uh, I like this offer a lot. Uh, and here's why he does it all. Um, somebody that, you know, led his team in tackles, led his team in sacks, led his team in tackles for loss um, and played early. He was a, a honor roll member in 2020, the season that didn't count. Um, and then in 2021, uh, he played in just four games. Um, but this is a guy that was dominant in 2022, um, would have had over 100 tackles if, you, if he had played in every game, but uh, I think he only missed one. Uh, really, really impressive uh, player that SMU is now in on. They've offered. He's the first one that you can kind of say, okay, all right, that one would fit really well in the middle of that defense. All right, those are the FCS guys that really stick out to me. If I'm missing one, I'm sorry, and we've talked about it on the board. Um, but the, that those are the FCS guys. We'll kind of move into the JUCO ranks now, and we're not going to talk much about the FBS guys. And here's why: there aren't many that for SMU they can you I can really talk about. Um, there are guys that make sense that are going to be in the portal officially on Monday. There is one guy that I think is worth noting: Jonathan McGill, the Stanford defensive back. We posted some notes on him. He's a Coppell, Texas native. He was a team captain for the Cardinal this year. He's going to be a graduate transfer with two years remaining. Um, posted some notes on him and kind of where I see things uh, playing out for him. Uh, going to be an interesting one to follow there. But he's a graduate transfer, and he's also a part of a coaching change. So he can be in the portal, and he can be contacted and all that stuff. Um, on the high school front, kind of going back, two players that are on the board uh, and, and being pursued by the staff. I've posted notes on both of them on the board. 2023 Everman defensive tackle, Kevin Allen, a big body. He dropped his top seven. He included SMU along with Wyoming, North Texas, Sam Houston, uh, Washington State, um, and a couple others in there. Uh, and uh, posted some notes on the board about him. We caught up with him. Uh, and then SMU just extended an offer to a Colorado commitment. Uh, out of Grand Prairie, Keller Central, Adrian Wilson, um, not the former all, I think he was all pro with the Cardinals, but um, not the former NFL safety, although that'd be nice. Uh, he was a longtime Colorado commit. Uh, they're going through a coaching change. Craig Niver dialed him up and said, hey, let's let's get the offer in. Let's let's get you to campus. And so I posted some notes about where things stand with him. That offer went out just before I jumped on the pod uh, to record. And uh, I'm going to have a full story with Adrian uh, shortly after the podcast. Um, and I think you look through the, some of the senior tape and you see a guy like that after what Craig Niver dialed up with Ahmad Moses late after he got to SMU, you got to feel good about his evals. Um, Ahmad's going to be a really good player for SMU for years to come. Got some good burn and he got the start against Memphis. So like that offer, let's go to the junior college, junior college ranks. Um, Ahmad Otis. Uh, I think I'm saying that right. 
Uh, this year, the 6'3", 300-pounder defensive tackle um, racked up 40 tackles, nine tackles for loss, three sacks on the year. SMU is going to bring him in for an official visit. We posted some notes on him. He's a big name to monitor down the stretch without a doubt. Um, if you're SMU fans looking for some help in the middle, that is one right off the bat that you've got to uh, note. Um, along the junior college ranks, defensive back, it's going to be a target in both the transfer portal and the junior college level. Um, Bishop Fitzgerald is one that I think SMU is really high on. Uh, they're trying to get an official visit scheduled with him. Uh, he's out of uh, Coffee Field, or uh, he is out of, um, uh, yeah, Coffee, yeah, Coffeeville, um, <clears throat> and has already taken a Utah State official visit. But Maryland and Indiana are circling him. He just added a Louisville offer. He was Player of the Year in the conference. He would be a huge addition for SMU. Uh, on the back end. And then another one I'll note, Matthew Littlejohn uh, is another one they're really high on, uh, another junior college prospect uh, who's originally from the state of Texas. Uh, um, he plays for Citrus College um, and has added you know, a few offers as well. Um, he would have two years of eligibility. He's added Cal, Liberty, App State, Old Dominion, Hawaii, USF, Oregon State. Um, those are the schools talking to him the most. So keep an eye on him. Um, and look, I think the junior college secondary part of it is going to be something where you see SMU get some guys in and they could be players that kind of fill roles, um, or in Bishop Fitzgerald's case, I think it could be somebody that plays right away, um, probably starts, but then you, you look at, um, other players that have, you know, a couple of years, they, they're older, um, I look at somebody like Blinn uh, College cornerback Ben Osuki. We've talked a lot about him in the past on the board. Uh, he was in attendance for Saturday's game against Memphis, so he's already taken an unofficial visit. He's a Texas native, um, had 33 tackles, a tackle for loss, and one pick on the year. He could be somebody that's more of a, a rotational guy. You know, they could be losing a lot of their depth in the secondary, and they need players uh, to really step in and contribute at that spot without a doubt. Um, wrapping it up here, I, I think as far as needs, I think wide receiver is going to be one. They need some more outside guys. Um, you have Jordan Curley, you have Dylan Goffney, you have Roderick Daniels, you have Jake Bailey coming back, but there needs to be more depth as we've seen. Running back is one I still think that they could be um, in on some guys, and I posted one that makes sense uh, for the subscribers to check out. Um, and I think, again, that goes back to depth. You ended the year with Tyler Levine, TJ McDaniel, and Roderick Daniels as your running back rotation. What happens with Brandon Epton? What happens with Monte Dawson? Dawson, Jalen Record, all those guys haven't played really much at all. So what happens with those players uh, will be something to watch. I'm not saying they're going to transfer for sure, but it's just something to watch. Then you add tight end. Tight end is a position that they probably need to address. They lose Ben Redding. They have a stud in RJ Maryland, but they also don't have any really answers behind that that you can rely on. So um, they have Lonnie Johnson in the uh, 2023 class. They have Trip Reardon, so they're adding some depth there uh, from the high school ranks, but they probably need a veteran guy or two to come in right away and contribute. And then they always want to upgrade the offensive line. Um, they, they're going to return most of that group, um, which is a good thing. They're going to lose Jalen Thomas. Uh, and then outside of that, I, I think everybody's back. 
so really, really good group that'll return for SMU. I might be missing one that, that might be leaving, but still um, good group coming back. They played really well down the stretch, I felt like. Uh, and then you get into the defensive side of the ball, and that's everywhere. And I don't mean that disrespectfully to any of the guys like Elijah Chapman that are coming back, Devere Levelston that are coming back. Um, they've got a good young core of pass rushers on this team, but you also lose Gary Wiley. Uh, Junior Ajo walked on senior day, uh, and he had a year at least of eligibility remaining. Um, and then you lose Terrence Newman in there as well. And Stephon Wright, what's his future like uh, if he's really, um, you know, uh, not been able to stay healthy? Um, does he, you know, hang it up potentially? They've also addressed that position pretty well in the uh, signing class already. They're trying for Kel Kevin Allen, the Everman defense tackle that we talked about, but they still need to add more depth, especially in the middle. They need bigger guys. That was one thing. They missed a Mike Williams in the middle um, of that defense uh, without a doubt. So linebacker, another big position need. We saw them offer Chandler Martin out of, out of East Tennessee. We've seen them go after numerous uh, Juco defensive backs. We've seen them uh, probably – circling internally some some defensive backs uh, as well from the transfer portal and then they just offered adrian wilson out of keller central so lots of change on the defensive side of the ball and then they probably need to go find a punter as well uh with ryan bachevsky moving on uh as well so lots of things to come for smu uh the dead period for smu i believe ends this weekend so they'll be able to go out and watch state championship games and things like that uh, not state championship, but um, state semifinal games or gosh, what round are we in in Texas? But um, they, they will be able to go out and watch regional final games. I'm sorry. Uh, and see some of their players in action. They'll also be able to go on the road and do some in-home visits if they'd like. And that stuff will start heating up. And then they're also going to use those uh, for transfer poor guys. So it's going to be a really, really busy time. Definitely pick up an on three subscription. Uh, again, you get the hat. Um and uh, it's going to be a, a heck of a time on the board. It's a good time to be on the board. Signing day and this whole month of December is going to be wild. If you weren't on board with us for the transfer portal last year, I like to think we were pretty all over it. So subscribe. Appreciate you guys listening. Sorry it took till Wednesday to get this out, but it's just been a busy time. We've been tracking transfers and doing all those things. So uh, appreciate you guys listening, and uh, we will catch you guys next time, uh, maybe with some additions to talk about on the On the Pony Express, Express podcast. So. Have a great rest of your week. Might not hear from me again. We'll be in portal mode. Um, but if you do, it might be with some news. So thanks for listening, guys. And we'll catch you next time. It is Ryan here. And I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.